all of us, at one point, question who we really are. Well, in today's Heal the Hurt podcast, I'm going to share with you how I helped Lisa discover who she authentically is. Now, you're going to discover not only what creates this questioning of ourselves and where it comes from, but how it creates a process I discovered that I call the worst day cycle. But more importantly, how to heal it and be certain of exactly who you are so you can live a life filled with authenticity. So let's get started. So what do you want to talk about? Well, what's on your mind? <laughs> um, the not feeling like I'm worthy, not feeling good enough. Um, you know, I allow people to intimidate me at times. Um, and it usually revolves around money. Okay. Uh, you know, people with money make me nervous or intimidate me. Um, which I don't like because I want to have money and I don't want to be intimidated by, you know, people who are, um, that I view as successful or, you know, because I want to be more successful. Tell me more what happens about when the intimidation comes on or the money, like describe, say, I don't you know, know do you meet people? like, give me an example of what, what's going on. Um, Okay, an example would be um, going with a friend uh, to a banquet where all the vice presidents and are, you know, um, and you walk in and everyone, you know, is very um, staunch or, you know, they they have on the... They're dressed really uh, well. Yeah, okay. yeah, exactly. You know, they wear the name brand stuff and, you know, the designers. And and I feel, um, and you know, the only way I can describe it is like on the Titanic, when the rich people were able to get off and the poor people were kept <laughs> under and drowned. So you feel like one of the poor people? Yes. Right. And I don't know. I, I guess that comes from childhood. Do you remember the last time you went to an event like that? Um, yes. Okay, I want you to. Think about that. Now tell me as you walk in and can you remember some of the people that were there or, or like the feeling of what was happening when you walked in? Um, kind of put yourself back there. The feeling when I walked in was um, I kept telling myself, put your shoulders back, keep your head up. The self-talk of, you know, hold yourself up. Don't let anyone see how inadequate you feel. Okay. So you were feeling inadequate. Yeah. All right. And then when you feel inadequate, what goes on? I mean, you told me a little bit verbally, you try and tell yourself to sit up or Mm -hmm. stand up straight, Mm -hmm. shoulders back. Do you feel that anywhere in your body? Feel that inadequate. Like you're walking in, like you're walking in, you see these people. It's like, okay, I've got to adjust. Get my shoulders back. Mm Huh? Where do you feel that? Right here. In your stomach. Mm -hmm. Okay. And are you able to lock eyes with people or not? If I make myself. If you make yourself and when you do, what happens? um, I'm angry. Angry? Tell me more about that. What do you mean? Well, it puts up a wall. You know, if you're going to be mean to me, I'll, you know. Why do you immediately assume they're mean to you? Um,. I don't know. Okay. I don't know. So let, let's talk about that anger. Or if they're going to think I don't belong there or don't, you know, if they're going to look their nose down at me, you know. Okay. So 
you get angry as a defense mechanism. Right. I'm, and, and so when you get angry, what happens? What do you do? Um, I'm more present. I, I, I would look them in the eye and, you know, speak. Because it does what for you? It gives me courage. Courage. Okay. Um, Anger gives me courage, I feel why? like. Why? Where'd you learn that? I don't know. Okay. Do you remember what anger is? It's a negative emotion. Okay. Do you know where anger comes from? Fear. Fear. Mm-hmm. Okay. And I know from being in the groups, do you remember the three levels of fear? No. Okay. <clears throat> You're right. Anger at any time, at all times, is always a defense mechanism for fear. All right. And fear is always one of three things. It's either the fear of rejection, the fear of inadequacy. In other words, we don't think we have the skills, tools, or knowledge to do something Mm -hmm. or the fear of powerlessness. So now put yourself back in that position. You walk in, you're locking eyes, the anger comes up. Which one or all three of those are you feeling? At least the last two. Inadequate and powerless. Mm -hmm. Okay. Tell me about the inadequate. And, And the first one. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. All right. Well, let's start there. Tell me about the rejection. Well, I don't like being rejected by anyone. Okay. What first thing that comes to your mind, whether it was yesterday or 20 Uh, years ago, what's your first feeling of rejection that pops into your mind? First memory. When was the first time you felt rejected? Oh gosh. I'm sure I was a little bitty kid. Anything coming to mind? Don't like, don't filter uh, it and think, oh, it's silly. It, it can't be this. Whatever's popping to your mind. I'm sure, it, you know, my dad was very um, uh, critical. How? Do you have a specific memory? What happened? Uh, <laughs> you know, I'm sure there's better ones, but the one thing that pops no, in, that's exactly the one thing that pops in right my there. mind is um, he had told me that he wanted me to drink alcohol around him so I could hold my alcohol better than my mom did. Wow. <laughs> That's overwhelming. Yeah. You know, How old were you? Um, probably 13 or 14. Do you remember how you felt in that moment when you heard? Um, like, whatever. Okay, whatever. And what does okay, whatever mean to you? I don't... It didn't mean anything to me when he said it, I don't but think. But now... What do you feel now? Because my mom was an alcoholic, so I got it. I, you know, I don't want to be like her either. So when you think of that, okay, whatever, what do you feel? Disconnect. Disconnect. Mm-hmm. Okay. And disconnected from what? Um, from being told I was like my mom. Okay. And so if you're being, if you're told you're just like your mom, you feel what? Um, gosh, a lot of things because she had lots of good things and lots of bad things. If she didn't have alcohol in her system, she was the most incredible woman you'd ever want to meet. It's pretty true with a lot of alcohol. She was pretty awesome. But you had alcohol and she was crazy mean, crazy mean. So when he said you can handle your booze just like my mom. I wanted my dad to like me and he didn't like my mom. Exactly. And so, so when you heard that, did you hear him comparing you to the good mom or the bad mom? The bad mom. 
but I didn't want to be like her. So I was like, exactly. okay, you know. So, well, oh, whatever means what? I'll you, do whatever you want me to. But what's the feeling with, uh, whatever. Well, at 13 and 14, drinking alcohol, you know, um, well, I was probably blackout drinking then, yeah. but um, maybe my dad saw me blackout drinking and didn't want me to go down that path. So in his mind, maybe he thought that... I'm, I'm not asking to you to figure out your dad. Mm-hmm. I'm asking you to tell me when you're in that moment and your dad is comparing you to your mom mm-hmm. and the side of your mom you don't like and you go, oh, whatever. What's the emotion to, oh, whatever? Happy, sad, scared, what? I didn't have any emotion in it. I, I, maybe I didn't know what it meant when he said it. So I don't know. Inadequate. Don't understand. Don't yeah. have the skills, tools, and knowledge to understand right. what that means. Right. Can you see? And I and I wanted to drink differently than my mom. So I'm. I guess at the moment I was thinking, okay, you know. Show me whatever, you know, if I got to drink more or less or however, whatever. Okay. There's a lot going on in this. Um, what you, what you just described is the rejection piece. Mm-hmm. I'll be whatever you want to just don't reject me. Right. The, in my experience, this may not be true for you, but when I hear song, whatever, look at, w- watch me, mm-hmm. <sighs> whatever. What do you see? What's the emotion that you see? Eh. Yeah, and if is what? Snarl. Mm-hmm. What emotion is that? Is it anger? To me, it would be. Do you register it as anger? Not my kind of anger. Okay. <laughs> my anger is pretty angry. So really violent. Eh is whatever. <laughs> it's just no level. emotion. It's like whatever. I don't care. Disconnect. Okay. Say that again. It's what? <laughs> it's it's just. It means nothing. It's. It's and then you said another word. It's. I don't know what I said. Disconnect. Oh yeah. <clears throat> Do you remember how in some of the groups you've talked about? how you can't quite find things. Mm. Do you see, do you now see why? Do you see how for you, whatever was a defense mechanism to dissociate from a moment Mm -hmm. and shut off Mm -hmm. so you wouldn't feel right. Oh, absolutely. And in that moment, you're feeling a sense of rejection Mm -hmm. because if I can't drink the way my dad wants me to, he won't like me. Mm-hmm. I'm inadequate because I don't know how to do that. But also, if I can't drink that way, now I'm just like my mom. And that is not what I want. And so now, look at the powerlessness to all of that. Do you see how that's why it's like, you're like, oh, this isn't a big deal. Mm-hmm. This one little thing. And that's why I'm like, oh, no, no, no. <laughs> do you see how this one thing... Mm-hmm. and 
in an environment like that, there will be thousands. Right. Like that's a daily occurrence when you grow up in a dynamic like that. But there's a reason you remembered it and wanted, that was the first one that popped up is look at how powerful what most people would consider an ugh, whatever moment mm-hmm. and how that has shaped you. And in that moment, you learn to dissociate, shut down from feeling, shut down from being in the moment, shut down your anger. Mm-hmm. The dismissive disconnect is anger. Mm-hmm. There are a couple of ways we, I mean, it's fight, flight, or freeze. Mm-hmm. Okay. Right. I'm a runner. Exactly. <laughs> we got a runner. What is, uh, who cares? What's that? Same thing. It's running. Yeah. You learn to run there. Mm-hmm. Now, what happens when you go, it doesn't matter. When you do that it enough. It gives me my power back. Oh, and how does it give you your power back? Because I am in control of that. Okay. But. When you stuff that long enough, what ends up happening? I don't know. Well, think of think of the times you've raged. Why did you rage? Because you said you're a mm-hmm. you get big. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I guess it just comes out. What I've discovered, and I had to discover this in myself, is I wasn't allowed to express my anger either. Mm-hmm. Just. It was my job to listen to my dad's anger. And so I I did the same dissociative. I remember he'd be complaining about something or judging me for something. And I'd look past him and I'd always count things. because Yeah, I was a counter. Yeah, yeah. did the same thing. Yeah, yeah, because what I learned to do was I, what the mantra I said in myself was, I'd want to stand up and defend myself, but I knew... What do you see here? Paper. What is this? Paper. Paper? Mm-hmm. <laughs> really? Yeah. You don't see a picture? Mm-mm. You're kidding me. Mm-mm. You don't see a picture of Da Vinci? Mm-mm. You literally see paper? Yeah. See, that was what it was like to argue with my dad. I could show him this, and he'd say, no, that's Da Vinci. It didn't matter. He had to be right. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and so I'd want to stand up for myself, but I go, ah, oh, what's the point? Mm-hmm. And so I, I'd let him just berate me and I'd count behind him as I'd say that. And so when you learn to stuff like that, that's why my favorite color for many years was red. I mean, there's mm-hmm. passion, mm-hmm. but I had a bunch of hidden rage. And so what you're describing is somebody who wasn't allowed to express their needs and wants, their morals and values, their belief system. They never had a voice. And so your mantra, remember how shame works in the in the worst day cycle. When we get into shame, and you said it, mm-hmm. going, ah, gives you your power back. Mm-hmm. That's how we victimize ourselves. Because in that moment, I'm, I'm going to just kind of go through the cycle again. When we go through trauma like that, We lose our inherent worth because remember what childhood is. We have two needs as a human being, attachment and authenticity. Okay. We are the only species on the planet that if we don't attach physically and emotionally to another human being, we will die. All right. The other thing we need is authenticity, our power, the expression of who we're meant to be in the world. Well, in that moment, your dad said, look, For me to like you and for you to attach to me, you need to be a better drinker. 
don't be like your mom. Well, what does that mean? I have to drop my authenticity. So that creates fear, Mm -hmm. rejection, inadequate, powerless, everything you described. Well, then we go into stage three, shame. How do we get our power back? I'm going to take control of this. I can't speak my authenticity because you won't allow it. Mm-hmm. So now I'm going to create a mantra that's part of the shame piece. Like I, mine was, uh, what's the point? Yours is, doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. By doing that, we take power back. But in the process of taking our power back, now we set up our own victimization. Because if we don't pursue our authenticity and we give ourselves away, we die. Well, gee, I wonder why we'd be filled with rage. Mm-hmm. If I ever go pursue me, I don't want to be a drinker like my mom. That's heartbreaking to me. And I don't want you to reject me. But if I go pursue this, what do I lose? Your love. Mm-hmm. Look at the dilemma we're placed in. And so then what's stage four? Denial. Pfft, not even going to deal with it. That's the dissociation. Mm-hmm. And then we develop this persona of I'm going to be this certain type of drinker or person so that I can manipulate these attachments with my parents, keep them happy and all Mm -hmm. this. But by suppressing and repressing who I really am, I'm in massive denial of who I really am. Right. So how do you find who you really are? All right. Well, this is the process Mm -hmm. is going back to all of those moments and seeing How did the cycle play out? What was the event where I had to choose between attachment and authenticity? So let's like, let's get deeper into this one. Mm -hmm. All right. So think through the specifics. How were you forced to give up authenticity for attachment in that one conversation? Who did you have to become? Who did Lisa have to drop? create attachment I don't even know did you know. want to be a drinker <laughs> uh, I don't I don't know what I wanted to be yeah you know great answer <laughs> because and why do you think you didn't know what you wanted to be well you know the, I wanted to be a lot of things but I was told I couldn't bingo you know, Keep going. What things yeah. did you I want to be? I wanted to be an archaeologist. An archaeologist. Yeah. Little kids want to be nurses and stuff. I want to be an archaeologist. Um, and my parents were like, you don't want to be an archaeologist. You got to go to school for like 12 years, you know. Pick something that you can learn a skill at. You know, it was the 80s. What is that right there? Attachment authenticity. Mm-hmm. I want to pursue mm-hmm. my inherent worth who I meant to be and express in this world, what I call our greatness. Right. So I went to work in a body shop. Do I look like I should be working in a body shop? (laughs) I don't think so. Why do you think you chose a body shop? (laughs) Um, You know, the body shop chose me, technically. Um, I was going to be a mechanic. I decided to be a mechanic. And in high school, they did a half day of high school, and then you go on to work. And I worked in a shop for a couple of years. Then after that, uh, I graduated and, you know, wanted to go to GM training school and you had to have a sponsor, a dealership sponsor you. And I went to our local dealership and they laughed at me. 
I was a female in the 80s. I was 100 pounds soaking wet. They said, you know, we got a cashier's position for you and pays 10 bucks an hour, which was very good money back then. And I said, I'd take it. And so a couple of weeks later, the body shop manager said, hey, I need somebody down here. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. I know something about cars. Come on down. I'll teach you how to write estimates. And I fell into it. You know, I started making so much money that. Do you hear that? How that story mirrors everything else? Do you remember how you Absolutely started Absolutely not. <laughs> when I asked you, why did you choose a body shop? Do you remember what you said? It chose I just, me. It, it what? It chose me. Exactly. Yeah. Focus on that. <laughs> it chose me. What feeling would that be? Think of no fear. Idea. Think of fear. Rejection, inadequate, powerless. Which one of those is it? It chose Fear, me. Fear, maybe. I, I don't uh, know. If something chooses me and I have no voice and I have no ability to make my own choice, what, a, what does that make me? Powerless. Okay. Do you see? Okay. Do you see how that moment at 13, I think you said, with the mm-hmm. drinking and... Well, it went even younger than that. You said archaeology and everything. Your whole childhood was about taking your power away. Mm -hmm. And so you just... Tony Robbins has a great analogy for it. He calls it... I think think the way he describes it is the inner tube in the river syndrome. The way most people live their lives um, is, as he describes it, they just get an inner tube and go down the river and bounce off rocks and go, oh, I'm an auto mechanic. Oh, I'm an accountant. Mm-hmm. What he doesn't describe is why. Mm-hmm. Um, and you just described why. If I pursue archaeology, mm-hmm. if I pursue body shop, I'm not allowed to. So I go, I give up archaeology. I take this class in high school on how to do cars, but I even go to a dealership and they say, just like my mom and dad, nah, Mm -hmm. you can't be that. Right. Okay. I got trained. Boom. Mm -hmm. I cannot be my authentic self. It's never okay. Well, how would you feel if I spent all day, every day holding you by your arms and legs and you wanted to go to work or how, or you said you liked a bike, right? Mm Mm-hmm. What if I put a bike right here in front of you, something you love to do, and I held your arms and legs and said, come on, ride. But I held you. How would you feel? I would feel restrained. And and what would that make you feel? Anger. Massive. Mm -hmm. Anger. Can you get in touch with that sense of being restrained all your life? Oh, yeah. I feel it now. That's why I want help. Tell me more. I want to get How out of that. How's it showing up in your life now? Oh my gosh. I, I don't feel successful. I don't feel, I don't even know what I like. I don't know what my needs are. Yeah. I, you know, 
how do I fix it all at 51? You know, I want, I want to, I want to try to fix it before I die and at least fix what I've done to my kids because I've done the exact same thing to them. Yeah. That's how the cycle works. We can only do what we know. Mm -hmm. And look, I'm not saying your parents are bad people. Your mom was an alcoholic because she was in tremendous pain because she went through the same thing in childhood. Right. Your dad controlled you because he went through the same thing. Mm -hmm. We've done this in society for centuries. We won't teach or talk about parenting or codependence or any of these dynamics. There's this sacred cow around, you know, never talking about it. Well, that's why everyone's miserable and struggling is no one's willing to push back against that and go, yes, our parents are not bad people. They're perfectly imperfect, Mm -hmm. but we do have to hold them accountable for choosing once they became an adult, not learning about these things and just saying, ah, I don't want to deal with it. That's not loving to them to not hold them accountable. And here's why. This is the thing. Alice Miller talks about this and, and I, this is a great perspective. She, uh, I used to say it differently. And when I read her stuff, I'm like, oh my God, that's such a better explanation. And everyone's so afraid to confront their parents, think we'll be mean. Well, that's part of the guilt we get placed into because Mm -hmm. if I confront my parents, they'll reject me. Right. Right. I can't say that. Well, what she talks about is you have to realize the only reason they were, whether it was severely abusive or at the very least, irresponsible. The only reason they made mistakes with you is because there's a hurt little kid inside of them Mm -hmm. who got taught how to treat you this way. Mm -hmm. And so when we defend our parents and don't want to hold them accountable, what we're doing is we're robbing the child inside of them that is in just as much pain as we are. Well, I thought we loved our parents. Mm -hmm. If we loved them, We'd love that kid because by holding them accountable, we give that kid a voice. Right. If we protect them, that kid's still inside them. Just like, you know, you're sitting here right now. You're 51, 51 going, I'm done. <laughs> like when's somebody going to listen to this kid and, and help yeah. me? Yeah. Well, that's what they're screaming too. And so when we put this protective cocoon around them, we're robbing them. Yeah. We're, we're forcing them to stay in that pain. Well, I don't consider that loving. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't want that for my parents. Well, and you know, both my parents are past, yeah. you know, and I spent a lot of time pointing my finger at them. Yeah. My mom was an alcoholic. That's why I'm so messed up. Well, pointing the finger at everybody else isn't going to fix me. That's the denial piece of the yeah. cycle is, well, no one's, and, and most of that is because we don't have the skills, tools, and knowledge. Right. That's, inadequacy mm-hmm. and so our only defense mechanism and plus our society rewards the victim like just look at you. oh my gosh i have lived the victim my whole life yeah well so let's talk about what the process is because basically mm-hmm. what you're describing is reparenting which all of us have to do i had to reparent myself every client every person is stuck in this cycle everyone has to reparent themselves so you said you don't even know what you need and want. Mm-mm. Do you know the difference between needs and wants? I think so. Okay. Yeah. yeah. All right. Needs, we need to survive. Mm-hmm. All right. Food, clothing, shelter, money, intimacy, whether that's emotional, spiritual, sexual. All right. We need those things. Those are survival things. Mm-hmm. Okay. 
Wants are different. Wants bring us joy.、Mm-hmm. Like I love Coke, <laughs> so I go get a Coke brings me tremendous joy. Now at seventy nine cents, it doesn't sacrifice my need. I'm not going to be out of a house.、Mm-hmm. Well, as I say a lot of times, I love that Mercedes Maybach. You know that convertible. <laughs> right. Well, hey, it's gorgeous, but it, I don't know, four, six, eight hundred thousand dollars. If I went and bought that, I'd be sleeping in the Maybach underneath、mm-hmm. the overpass. Right. Well, that sacrifices my needs: food, clothing, shelter,、mm-hmm. all of that. So that that would be a self victimization. So the key for you、mm. is: Are your basic needs being met? Because part of what happens with a lot of people is, I've had clients they have like three shirts, they don't meet their needs for clothing, or they live in an area or in a house below their standards, or their house is a mess. Just they're very、yeah. messy people.、Um, that's usually a sign of. You know, people have messy cars, messy houses. Don't pick up after themselves. That's a sure sign of massive trauma in childhood. That's why. That's what、mm-hmm. creates messy people. All right, is their life was so scattered and disorganized as a child. They're reliving it. Okay,、um, but it's looking through your life and going, "Am I meeting my basic needs?" Okay, so financially, you you keep bringing up finances is a big deal for you.、Mm-hmm. Are you pursuing a career that allows you to meet your needs financially?、Um, I, not that I want, you know. It's meeting I, your needs, but it do, it's not your. It's not what、I、you mean, want it, to be doing. It's paying my bills, but I had to claim bankruptcy this year. Okay. So, for did you have to claim bankruptcy because you overspent based on the money you're making, or? The the career doesn't meet your needs. Do you see the difference between the two? Right. Yeah. Did、um, your wants, in other words, sabotage your needs? You know, when I moved from Kansas City to here, it the pendulum finally swung the other way as far as you know the cost of living here、It's、compared、true. to what it was there,、um, and it just it was enough to. Slide it the other way to where, you know, I I was a single mom and had. Carried a lot of debt from the kids and going to college, and they flunked out. And you know, I held them accountable for a lot of it, but I, of course, carried a lot of it with me.、Okay. So, it, it's a combination of both. Okay, you know, I'm I overspent plenty on proms and crap like that. that Couldn't say no. Right, Gee, I wanted I them to have all that. that. Yeah, yeah. So,、um, but I mean, I I feel good about it because I finally. Looked it in the face and said, "You know what? I'm going to do something with you. I'm tired of you hanging over me. So I'm in a full payoff, hundred percent payoff on a bankruptcy. So that's good. But so that, my finances so- are a mess. You know, I look at that and I think, wow, that's got to be connected to all this other somehow. Yeah, I just don't know how. <clears throat> I want to get back to the money thing because、okay. I know that's a big concern of yours. Of how do I get more comfortable around?" People with money—it's not really money. People with money that intimidate you—it's more. Well, it, it's all these underlying issues that get projected、mm-hmm. into they have more worth than I do. So you talk about being intimidated by money, but that's a smokescreen. Or people with money, or、mm-hmm. people with status.、Mm-hmm. 
but that's just where you're projecting all of this other stuff too. It's not so much that it's you, what you describe in childhood is a sense of no worth. Mm -hmm. Did you hear what I just said? Mm -hmm. No worth. So do you see why you would set up a life with no worth mm -hmm. financially? Yeah. You see how it becomes a metaphor for, and see, this is, this is the truth. This is the crux of the worst day cycle and denial. When we go into denial, the way to recover from all of this and the reason we go into denial is two, two major things happen. One, for me to confront that I'm not an alcoholic, that I'm not a, someone who, a body mechanic or a car mechanic, for me to confront all, the, all these false personas and things we develop to please our parents to get attachment, what does that mean? Whether I'm 20 years old or 60 years old, I'm not who I really think I am. Well, that's a devastating admission. Like with me, I played pro sports, realized, oh my God, I'm not, I'm actually not an athlete. <laughs> well, think of how devastating I'd spent my whole life pursuing it. And then to wake up and go, wow, I've wasted my life. That's not true, but that's feels the that feeling. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Feels that oh my way. God, I'm so stupid. I'm so worthless. Mm -hmm. No one wants to admit, oh my God, I've lived my life in a way that isn't really me. That's oh, like. That's overwhelming. Right. Now you realize when you go through it, it's, it's wonderful. But before you go through the process, <laughs> considering it, it's like, oh, that's the last right. thing I want to admit or deal with. And that's why we push it away. No one's it's taught devastating. us. Yes. But see, that's only the first half. Mm -hmm. What's behind that? What's even more devastating is if I become somebody of worth, what do I lose? attachment to my parents because your childhood was for me to fit in for me to have value in this family I have to have no worth but I really think at this point in my life it would be worth attaching to me and that's the process but what I'm describing is when you see rich people mm -hmm. what you're seeing is the denial portion of the cycle that like what I'm trying to do is bring you into reality of what you're really seeing mm -hmm. is the fear. If I actually pursue my worth, my authenticity, if I go become what I'm, what, what I call our greatness, what I'm really meant to be, I will grow past my parents belief of who I am. Mm -hmm. Well, that's why rich people scare the hell out of you because even though we can logically sit there and say, my parents were imperfect. And, and while at times they loved me, you know, as you said, your mom was adorable and mm -hmm. loving. There are many times she wasn't. Mm -hmm. But we're like, wait a minute. If I actually gain worth, I lose connection to mom. Even the good part. And that's why we will stay broke. We won't get worth. Because, I'll, because then I already felt lonely in that moment with my dad going, look, you're nothing unless you do this. Mm -hmm. Well, if I now become my authentic self, then I've got no connection to him. Well, I already know how devastating childhood was. Now it's the same thing as the first piece. That's our assumption. 
But as I wrote about in my book, it's like, no, once you go head in head first into that, it's actually the first chance you ever get to have true attachment and connection with your parents Mm -hmm. because denial robs us of truth. When we're not in truth, we have no connection. It's gone. Right. 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 See there. And that's the reaction. Everybody, that's what will happen to you. Did you feel that, Mm -hmm. that smile? Where'd you feel that? Same place. Exactly. (laughs) It's the remedy. Mm -hmm. That's what happens when you confront denial. You gain truth. Here's how the process works. Everyone's scared to death of denial. Doesn't want to go near it. Like, I mean, those are daunting things I just brought up. Here's everybody's life. Massive denial. Really high in it. Well, when you're in denial, you have no truth. So massive low self-esteem, which is everything you're describing. I don't fit. I'm not good enough. Right? Mm Mm-hmm. Well, you just proved the experience of when you see truth, you smile because you know it's authentically you. Well, what does that give you? Self-esteem. More self-esteem. Exactly. The more you become an expert in confronting and facing that denial, mm-hmm. the more truth you get. And that's how you tip the scales. And you can finally look at it and see Exactly. It. And that's why my whole life story, what a train wreck I am, everything. Like, I love when people go, you're a blank. And I'm like, yeah, I am, you know, like a woman on a podcast. You're an awful man. I'm like, yeah, I've done a lot of awful things. Like, where's the problem here? You're right. That's me. Like, <laughs> you know, gee, um, not saying anything that's not true, but do you see, like, do you, even the way I smile? See, I've accepted it. See, that's that's what you get from confronting that this isn't who I really am and confronting that I became all these things to create false attachment. But once I address it and see it and overcome it, now when you point it out to me, I've gained so much self-esteem. It's like, yeah, no longer hurts. But like you standing here looking at it, it's daunting. Mm-hmm. But that's what's on the other side of it is every single moment of every day. Like I put in my book, I wake up every day going, okay, where am I in denial? Where am I messed up? Because the more I do that, the scales go this way. Mm-hmm. Truth makes you smile. Yeah. That's the answer. Truth. The only way to get to truth is denial. And so for you, you just learned a great key on what to do when you see rich people. What do you think it is? <laughs> um, I don't know. You're going to have to okay. give me something more. Well, what would be, <laughs> now that you know what's really happening when you see rich people, like, do you see what's really happening when you see rich people? That it's a connection I, I to the lack of I know it's me. Worth. Yeah, I know but it's, it's... A learn, it was a, a learned behavior that's not authentically who you are. Mm-hmm. So now that you know that, the, the response becomes, this is what I learned to do. When those feelings would come up, I'd go, I love you, Dad, but you're not here anymore. Mm-hmm. Those were your feelings. I'm not going to carry them for you anymore. And I would literally picture myself giving them back to him. Mm-hmm. And so when I, because I did the same thing, I had a massive, because my dad was big and older men, just like I would just drop like a little, uh, couldn't mm-hmm. stand up to him. And when I learned how this worked 
and that feeling would come, I'd smile inside because now I'm in truth. And I go, oh, well, this feeling isn't even mine. It was placed into me when I was 13 years old. And my dad said, drink like, don't drink like your mother. Mm-hmm. And so now when I see a rich man, I go, oh, hi, dad. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you don't live here anymore. I love you. And I know you're trying to do the best for me based on what you were taught. I forgive you for that, but I'm not going to carry that feeling for you anymore. I give it back to you. Yeah. And that's how you start creating the separation from that's a feeling you've been carrying. That's a feeling of your dad's. It's not your authentic self. Okay. Do you see the Mm -hmm. separation? Mm -hmm. That's your dad's pain. It's not yours. Mm -hmm. Well, haven't you carried it long enough? Yeah, long time. Yeah. So now let's talk about how, how do you turn away from opportunities to have worth? Whether it's making money or any other thing. How, what are your defense mechanisms? When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. To keep you in low worth? Um, I don't know. I don't see it. Okay. Would you like some tools to figure that out? Yeah. Okay. <clears throat> because, fir- you know, at work, for instance, yeah. I have applied for 21 different jobs at my work, and I've been turned down for 21 jobs. And do you get an explanation? No. Okay. What do you think it is? You know, it makes me angry because I know that there are, that these jobs I'm well qualified for. Have you ever asked for information? I have. And, you know, it's always, um, well, we're, there's a lot of people out there that don't have jobs that need to come into the hub that are in different locations and. You know, it's just our re reorg the way it's working. And, you know, and I think, so, <laughs> you know, I, why did you interview me then? You know, yeah. just going through the motions or whatever. I don't know. Okay. You don't know if they're blowing smoke up your skirt or if they're really, you know. So what other options do you have then? I could quit my job and do something different. No. And what do you think you'd like to do different? Or it's a similar type of business going somewhere, moving up. You know, um, unfortunately, I didn't go to college. I'm currently going to college. I'm halfway through my associates. Good for you. But I've got a long way to go. Sure. You know, I'll probably be 65 by the time I'm done with, this, with the bachelor's. But, um, you know, I, I don't know who I am, what I like, nothing. I mean, I just feel like... What's your favorite color? Sunset. Sun, well, that can be lots of colors. Which which specific color? I couldn't tell you. It's just all the colors of the sunset. Okay. What's your favorite food? I don't have one. If I forced you right now, you were going to die in 15 minutes. If you had one last meal, what would you pick? Whatever you've got. 
Okay, then the first step for you is to start, is to break down simple things just like that. Literally, you said you have a boyfriend, right? Mm-hmm. Start asking him on date nights. I want to go to different type of food. I don't know how many times you go out to eat or whatever, or make dinner I mean, together. I like everything. I like Mexican cheeseburger, steaks, seafood. I like it all. Okay. <laughs> but I want you to start paying attention to when you eat and break it down. What is it I like about a cheeseburger? And what is it that I might not quite like? You, you got so heavily trained to give your, it's called giving yourself away Mm -hmm. that you will. I have nothing. Exactly. And so that's why I want you, the the first step in this is to start creating a huge self-awareness of specifically what do you like about a hamburger and what do you not? Is there an aspect of it you don't like? Like sounds silly. But literally, it has to start that simple for you of, wait a minute. Actually, now that I realize it, the crunch of an onion, I never paid attention, but I don't know that I really like that. Huh. Interesting. It's not the flavor, but the texture. Mm -hmm. Like, I want you to start doing that with everything you like. The sunset. I want you to look at the sunsets here. Great. Mm -hmm. Stare Mm -hmm. at it. And really break it down into... Is there a certain color or is there a certain aspect I don't like? The bottom line is this. The first step for you is giving yourself permission to make a choice. You've never been given permission. The little girl inside of you, no one's ever said. Because if I make a choice, it's going to be the wrong one and I'll get in trouble for it. And that's why I want you to start with that is literally everything, whatever you wear every day. When you go in and look at your closet, I want you to start breaking down even the simplest choice and start learning why am I picking this and why not? What do I like? What do I don't like? And journal it. Like keep track of it. And every, uh, what do you like about your job? What do you like about your car? What do you don't like? Every, every little bit. Because the first thing for you is getting an awareness of what is my authenticity. It was mm-hmm. so stripped from you. It's I'll become whatever you want. Just right. don't leave me. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. And so what happens when we're raised like that, it was very similar to me, is we leave ourselves. Mm-hmm. And so think of the, the correlation to just don't leave me. How much work do I have? I don't like that. Yeah. Do you feel how empty that is? How little worth there is in that? Mm -hmm. Now can you see... There's no power in that. None. And now can you see the drastic difference between that and money? And why money, why you've... That sense of no worth has been projected into money. Money is not... That's why I remember... 30 minutes ago, I was saying this has nothing to do with money. Mm-hmm. It's, it's a metaphor for you. These, the inability to pursue your own needs and wants and discover what your authenticity was so stripped from you, you feel like you have no worth. And so your only response to that is massive anger because there's so much 
rejection, inadequacy, and powerlessness involved in that. <laughs> and so, well, that's why people get whatever. Angry. Exactly. <laughs> and and whatever becomes the dissociative. Mm-hmm. Well, I can't have a voice anyway. I don't know what my needs and wants are. I'll suppress it. Mm-hmm. I'll make do with whatever. It's like I always say, everything we're doing, it's the 3D movie. Mm-hmm. What We all live our lives like a 3D movie, but we don't have the glasses. We don't realize that every single friend, career, partner, hobby, everything we choose, we're reliving our trauma right in front of our face, screaming back at us, and you just proved it. Money. Mm-hmm. Oh, whatever. Mm-hmm. Right? All of these things, you're playing this movie out right in front of yourself, screaming back at you the trauma, the attachment, authenticity, trauma bind you got placed in in childhood. But what are you missing? The glasses. Right. That's what my book and all that, the worst day cycle or the glasses of, oh my God, now I understand why money, it's not money, it's worth. Mm Mm-hmm. And so why I can't pick a favorite this or that. And so that's why the first start for you is literally, I hope you hear this in a loving way, infancy. Mm -hmm. I'm giving you permission. And the biggest key is, are you willing to give yourself permission? Yeah, I think that's exciting. Tell me about the excitement. (laughs) Because it'll be exciting to find out what I really do like and, you know, who I'm supposed to be or however, you, who I want to be or yes. however that, yeah. <laughs> that's supposed to be. Yeah. I don't know. The world is your oyster. You don't have that. And, and, and here's the second piece for you is, as you go do this, those voices are going to pop up. And when they do journal those, okay. because those are the mantras that are saying, no, you have to stay down here. No worth. Mm. Okay. okay. And so when you, you're going to do, you're going to experience two things, thoughts and feelings, everything, a thought is always based on a feeling anyway, but Mm -hmm. you're going to feel, and then a thought, it'll be the, what's the matter? Something like that. Those are the mantras you learned to suppress your authenticity for attachment. And so you need to learn what those are. And and like I did, I learned when those come up, whether it was mom, dad, brother, sister, I'm like, I love you. Like (laughs) there's no anger at them Mm -hmm. because they're just stuck in the cycle too. Right. No one's helped them. They're not bad people. They just don't know. But it's now my responsibility as an adult to no longer carry it and to give it back to them. And and that's a choice I have to make daily. Mm. And There's some things that I'm sorry, go, just things that are, I, I'm thinking about. Them. I'm like, oh, that's why. Tell me more. I love my fingernails. Why? I love to get my nails done because my real nails are real frail and they split and they're just not pretty. But I love getting my nails done. It's the one thing that I do know that I like in my whole life. I know I love my and nails. What is it you like so much about? They're they're just. They're clean and they're long and they're just, I like them. They the make my hands look pretty. Mechanic. Right? <laughs> Absolutely. See, 3D movie. Absolutely. Screaming. But when I can't afford to get them done, I get really depressed and weirdly depressed. I'm like, how, how materialistic do you have to be no. to want to get your nails done? There's the mantra right there. Because materialistic means what? You'd have worth. Right. If my nails aren't done, I have no worth. 
So that's why you feel rage. Right. Because I can't love I myself. I get really mad when I say, you know, you probably should quit getting your nails done. I get upset. There's another mantra. Yeah. Those are all those messages. Because it's not a need. And so you were never allowed to have a want. You were never allowed to express right. your joy. Right. Exactly. And so that's, Funny. this is perfect. This I is love exact, that. yes. <laughs> and so that's what's going to happen. You're going to want to get your nails done. The voice. I will do like, that before I eat. <laughs> exactly. Wonderful. <laughs> and that's a true story. <laughs> Wonderful. And that's what the process is about is building a list of what I call self love. Mm-hmm. So that when you're in a depressed state, you can look and go, wait a minute. Where am I not meeting my needs and wants? How am I giving myself away and falling back into the old mantra of I have no worth? Mm. I need to go look at my self-care list. Now, it may not always be a materialistic thing. It may be bike riding. Mm -hmm. It may be going to a movie. It it may be connection. I need need intimacy. I just... I just need to be in the presence of my boyfriend or a good friend, someone from the group, right. you know, the greatness group, and go have coffee with. But until you have that mapped out, you're lost, going, mm-hmm. I don't know. Yeah. You you have a sense, like you're starting mm-hmm. to Connected. recognize. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so I, I know this, and the next week you're going to text me and go, this huge list of, oh my God, I had no idea I love so many things. Yes. All you've been lacking for 51 years is permission. Mm, that's, that's powerful. It. Yeah. No one's given you permission. That little girl inside of you, no one said, it's your turn. Mm. And you get to feel wonderful. And that's what I'm giving you permission to do. And that's why I asked, are you willing to give it to yourself? Because ultimately, it can't come from me mm-hmm. or your parents. Right. It has to come from authenticity. No, I love me and I love when I get my nails done and I feel so damn pretty when I get my nails done. <laughs> right. Aren't I pretty? Why do you think I dress the way I do? I love it. It's total self-care. Yeah. Total. I go to the store like this on Saturday. I just I'm like, oh my God, I get to dress. Mm-hmm. It just, look at, I light up. That's pure joy. It's a want. It's just what works for me. And, and that's what you get to start pursuing. Okay. Okay. Does that give you a better sense of what's going Absolutely. on with money? That it's not money. Yeah. You're not, you're not afraid of money. What you're afraid of is loving yourself. Mm. It was always projected into money. It was always about worth. Mm-hmm. It's the 3D movie screaming back at you. You just were missing the glasses to realize, oh my God. I've never given myself permission to love myself because no one gave it to me either. Mm-hmm. I had to become whatever they wanted to have worth. So no wonder you'd get enraged. Yeah. How are you feeling right now? Good. Excited. Excited. Where do you feel excitement in your body? Um, same place. Same place. Mm-hmm. So it replaces. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. What'd you get from today? Um, a place to start, you know, to get to know myself, who I want to be, what I like, what I don't like, what my needs might be. Yeah. Yeah. It's exciting. I think the thing I heard that resonated with you the most is permission. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. Do you, that might be a mantra that you could use 
to replace the mantras that show up for you. Mm. You know, if, hi mom, hi dad, love you, but I'm giving myself permission today. Yeah. You know, since yeah. that hit so powerfully for you. Yeah. You, you I mean, decide what works for you. It's just something that came to mind for, based on what you were saying. Okay. Okay. Yep. Great Sounds job. Sounds good. Thank you. Yeah.